Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. I have to say it's good to be home after a really nice four-day camping trip to the Blue Mountains. I went to Field Spring State Park in the Soton County, an area that I really didn't know at all. Thank goodness I had the fabulous ABA uh, birding guide, to a birder's guide to Washington, put out by lots of uh, members of the Washington Ornithologic Society, and it gave great directions to get around, and I had some really fine birding. I, I was there really two full days a day, two and a day from, but the two full day so I was there. I took the two loops in the morning that they recommend, the Asotan Anatone Loop and the Field Spring State Park to the Grande Ronde River uh, Loop, and both times was just spectacular. Beautiful scenery, good birds, and just really fun. On the, on the second day, we took the uh, Anatone to Asotan Loop, and uh, on the dirt road there, I've never seen so many grasshopper sparrows. They were just there was a stretch that seemed like every bird on the on the wire fence was another grasshopper sparrow. So it was really fun to see those. They're uh, not awfully hard to find in Washington, but they're certainly not easy unless you're in just the right spots. They like this really sparsely vegetated grass, and there was plenty of that there. It was dry and hot. So early in the morning, they were just up singing on the wires. It was just spectacular. Uh, and on the trip back, I took the West Mountain Road trip back from uh, area near Anatone all the way through the Blue Mountains. Really just a beautiful trip. Uh, got some birding in a Soton County and then on to Garfield County. Uh, really nice. Best bird of that uh, drive was a Williamson sapsucker. A female flew right up to a tree, got a good look at her right in front of us. That was really nice. And then from there drove home, but it was just a nice trip uh, and kind of a magic moment on the ride home. Miriam, my girlfriend, wanted to see a yellow-headed blackbird. She hadn't seen that. She's fairly new to birding, and they're not easy to come by on the west side where we live, west side of the Cascades in Washington. So it was time for a potty stop anyway, so we stopped in Othello uh, by the of ponds and uh, they were pretty much dried up and we got there and the yellowhead blackbirds males were looking really scruffy and heavy malt the beautiful yellow heads were just kind of a yellow shadow almost uh, behind the new feathers coming in but uh, at the same spot were three terrific birds. Uh, Tricolored blackbirds were right down feeding on the one pond that still had some water. There were eight lesser yellow legs there, and there was a pectoral sandpiper. So three first-of-the-year birds there that I got almost by accident. So that was really fun on the ride home. So I had a great trip, and I'm excited today to have as my guest Francisco Garcia. You may have heard us talk a little bit about Francisco in my episode with Heather Balish and Marcus Roenig. Uh, he is the fellow that they bird with in Mexico a lot. He guides trips down there and is a good friend of theirs, and they introduced me to him. And it was really fun to talk to him on this podcast episode. He's very knowledgeable about the San Blas area and birding in that uh, central western, uh, probably the central western uh, coast of Mexico. Uh, sounds like great birding there. Get lots of habitat without traveling too far are working too hard. Can't beat that. Uh, so I have to hit that area and, and look up Francisco when I'm down there. He Safari San Blas is the name of his tour company, and he sounds like a really nice fellow. So it sounds like a good opportunity if you're going that way. Anyway, uh, let's get on with a Bird Banner podcast episode number 69 with Francisco Garcia. Francisco, welcome to the Bird Banner podcast. Thanks for being my guest today. Thank you, Edward. Pleasure to be here. 
Very much so. Francisco, I heard about you from uh, Heather Balish and uh, Marcus Ronig, who were guests on my show a while ago, and uh, who are good birding friends here in Tacoma. So I can't wait to get to Mexico and meet you in person. Uh, sounds like you have a guiding business there, and, and uh, that might be possible. Well, I'll be really happy to, to take you around, to show you around, and I hope uh, Marcus shared the good stories. No, he didn't tell me many stories. I want to hear them from you. Okay. Good. Uh, so tell me, first of all, how did you meet Heather and Marcus? How do you know them? Uh, well, Bertie, you know, uh, to be honest, I was trying to remember when did I met him. I, that was a few years ago. And uh, they've been uh, traveling down here to help with the Christmas bird count, which, by the way, or some last Christmas bird count was the very first Christmas bird count in Mexico, uh, back from mid seventies or something like that. So they they like to to participate and they like to be part of it, right? Mm -hmm. So they they were part of the Christmas bird count at San Blas. So that's how, sort of maybe how you met them. Cool. Uh, so you've been doing this for a while, then it sounds like. Yeah, I mean. Uh, observing birds over 10 years, 12, 13 years, but guiding maybe 10 years around that. Mm -hmm. So about guiding for about 10 years. Uh, so your, your company, Safari San Blas, I think, uh, is it primarily birding focused trips or do you do all sorts of other trips too? It's primarily birding trips, but um, I do or try to promote ecotourism in general or more right. like a nature nature tours right uh but it's, it is um mostly birding to be honest but um when i prepared to be a guide uh many years ago i learned about obviously we do take advantage of our natural resources which are the birding and the habitat but I try to do a little bit of cultural resources as well as economic resources. So when I'm trying to say uh, a birding trip with Safari San Blas, you'll get a little bit of culture, a little bit of economics, a little bit of history. So it's, it's obviously focused on birds, but the idea is, I mean, for you, Edward, coming here is a big effort. It's a lot of traveling. And I know you're interested in the birds, but if you can take a little bit extra from a culture, from where we are, where we stay, I think that makes a, a trip uh, even more worth it. I would totally agree. So what sort of trips do you lead? Are they mostly focused around San Blas or do you cover more of Mexico? No, so far, mostly around San Blas right now, but uh, in the last three, to four years, I have extended in a way to say it a little bit. So now I, uh, I do trips to uh, the north part of Jalisco, which is, you know, Puerto Vallarta sure. area, uh, Nayarit. And uh, I think mostly Nayarit is, is, my, is my area, not San Blas, San Blas area. But I started started to, to go different areas. Also, I, I do some, I help to some consulting companies. Mm -hmm on the birding right. part. So I have 
I have had chance to go other places in Mexico and get to the, the birds and, and the bird spots, which I haven't taken tours there, but I starting to get to know a little bit more. Of Very cool. Uh, so what type of a, what type of a trip would a person get if they wanted to go with your, your group? Is it a personalized tr trip or do you lead large groups? What's it like? Uh, to be honest, I don't like, it's not that I don't like, but I prefer to have in small groups or, you know, three, four, six people maybe. Uh, also depends on people burden skills. If you have a lot of good burgers, I guess a large group, it wouldn't hurt too bad. But when you have, especially in San Blas, we have all kinds of burgers. I enjoy, I rather have small groups and I feel like I am giving you a quality attention. You know, the larger the group, I think is less quality of attention. So I, I prefer to have small groups and definitely customize the trips. You know, I customize a trip based on people's uh, abilities, knowledge, um, and interest. Sure. Right? What sort of uh, habitat do you have within a reasonable reach of San Blas? I don't know that. I've not been to that part of Mexico really at all. You know, I have to say that I, I feel really fortunate uh, about living in San Blas. San Blas, it is a magical place. Just for you to have an idea where San Blas is located, to the north edge of San Blas, we have the beginning of the huge mangrove area, wetland area, which is part of the biosphere reserves. So it's really important area. Then to the east, we have the tip of the volcano axis, the famous part of the famous ring See? of fire. Just south, just south of that, uh, we have the beginning of the Sierra Range. So just right there, we have four major habitats. And in between, we have patches. I mean, we have from marismos, wetlands. We have patches of thorn forest. We have lower jungle, we have middle jungle, we have uh, pine oak forest, thanks to the beginning of the Sierra Range. But also, thanks to the geography, we also have microclimates, micro, microsystem. Like we have a microclimate uh, called dew forest, not rainforest or cloud forest, but dew forest. And to be honest, uh, this is, I, I'm talking about within 30 minutes right of San Blas. So uh, at the most 40, 45 minutes right around, you know, but uh, we have a large blend of habitats. And I think that makes a birding interest. It sounds like it. Do you have a lot of endemics in your area or mostly birds you can find elsewhere? We have around over 30 species of endemic, endemic birds around in, in, in Nayarit itself. Um, but a lot of them are, are on the reach of within an hour drive of San Blas. And on top of that, like just I'm talking about numbers. In Mexico, we have around 1,100 species of birds between migratory and resident endemics. Birds in Nayarit, we have nearly 600, a little bit over half of the what we have in Mexico, and in a 30, 40 mile radius from San Blas, we 
can have around 400 possibilities. Wow. So it's a, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Birding. So if a person came for say a week and birded with you, uh, they'd get out to a lot of different habitats. And what kind of a, a species list would someone expect from that sort of trip? Well, a, a large one, that's for sure. <laughs> a very large one. A lot of birds. Okay, good. So Francisco, it sounds like you lead uh, trips that involve a little culture and local knowledge, as well as lots and lots of birds without traveling too far. It sounds like not, it can be a trip where you see a lot of birds without you know, spending hours and hours riding from here to there. Yes, uh, actually, I have not going to Central America, to be honest, uh, but I have clients who has, mm -hmm. and a lot of people compare to places like Panama or, 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 you know, one of those places because the number of birds that you can see. Obviously, I mean, Chiapas has a lot more birds than Nayarit, but in order to see a big number, you have to travel lots. I think that's the advantage here. That's the advantage that we have so many habitats within, within a short range mm -hmm. of driving. Right. And that increases the number. And to be honest, I mean, uh, we have a place uh, called Chacalilla, mm -hmm. one of the most birding spots in some areas of that right now. In, in a good morning, you found 120 species of birds in the, just for the morning. Then you go on. That, that's yeah. a good morning anywhere. Yes. Yes, a good morning everywhere. Yes, yes. for sure. And, uh, yeah, we are really uh, privileged and in, in, in habit that this is. If I were going to travel to San Blas, what, do you fly straight to San Blas or do you fly to uh, one of the resort towns and drive? Yes, uh, most people choose to fly to Vallarta since Vallarta is, uh, has a big international airport yeah. and it has many flights, many direct flights from, from you know, big airports mm -hmm. around the right. world. So the easiest, the easiest is to San Blas and probably either arrange an all-inclusive trip or, you know, rent, rent a vehicle and, and ride to some blast. Terrific. Good. So you've birded a lot with Marcus and Heather. It sounds like they meet up with you almost every year when they come down. Tell me some birding stories with those two. You know, I feel bad sometimes, you know, because they hire me and they are really knowledgeable. They are really skilled birders. And it's interesting because they're they're not afraid to to argue about uh, a, a bird, you know. So I mean, uh, we we had many trips that we go and and we see birds from the distance, and and we didn't see enough field marks to make sure what it was. Right. And we are we go on the hunt for it, you know. They don't they don't hesitate to to walk a little further, to drive a little more, or to stay a little longer, you know. They're, they're really good birders. They're really knowledgeable. It's really fun to be around them. I, I enjoy it too. I learn something when I'm around them too. So that's cool. So did do I remember correctly? They said you took them on a backpacking trip to camp out at a cloud forest or something. Or was that not with you? Uh no, no. Not with you. Okay getting my stories mixed up. So yeah. you do the Christmas bird count there every year. What, yeah. when is that held, before Christmas or after Christmas? It's after Christmas, actually the January the 2nd. Usually January 2nd? January the 2nd is, is, is a day that we haven't moved 
around, you know, it's, it's a no matter what we do it this this year it was a, a hard one. This year we have a lot of rain oh. on Christmas year account, but not enough to stop us. We still went out there and we still burning and, and uh, you know that I going again back to Chacal Chacalilla, the person who birded the area. He was doing a lot of birding from his car, from inside his car. And we have a chat group, you know, for just to be in contact or what we're doing, right. what we're missing, things like this. And, and he say, I can't believe I have, he, he had 90 or some species from inside the car. That's a good day. Yeah, he's like, he's using pouring and stopping the times. And I've been just sitting in my car, yet I have 90 species, you know. <laughs> So yeah, it can be it can be uh, it can be fun, but it also can be challenging. Like I say, I, I remember I had I, I starting two three years ago. We have the red flight from Finland to to Vallarta. Mm -hmm. So now we have birds from Finland, and one of the first clients that I had from Finland, uh, I I was trying to impress him to be honest. So I took him on, on our first day out, I took him to the area that I knew there was going to be a lot of birds. But you know what? For that person, that was overwhelming. He said, it's just too many, you know? I like that. I actually like the way he was because he, he looked at one bird, study it, you know, he looked at the longest possible, take the book out, read about the bird, talk about the bird, then move forward to another. That was a tick for him. Some people, a tick is uh, getting a look and flight that the guide tells them what they saw, and for other people, they want to study it. So each to their own. They are all different. Everybody's different. Everybody has different interests. And, um, you know, I go sometimes, people visit here and they want to go places. You know, okay, I read about this place, I want to go there. But I, I really like when people have a, a, a wish list. Mm -hmm. no? Because that involved more, more going to more places and, and looking for, you know, specific things. Sure. Sometimes they can be really challenging, but uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's good to challenge ourselves sometimes. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, how many trips a year do you tend to lead out of Sandblast? Is that a full-time uh, job for you or do you have a side job? No, not full-time because like right now, well, besides this uh, pandemic health issue that we have, um, a lot of people don't travel in, in, in spring, summer to, to Mexico for a number of reasons. One of them is right now in San Blas is, I mean, not even on the sun, it's like 100 degrees, I don't know, it's, it's really hot. We have 100% humidity, so that makes the heat feels even hotter. So a lot of people can handle that. I mean, sometimes not even local people can handle that, you know? And as I don't know if you know, but as you know, San Blas is almost the world capital of the mosquitoes. So that can be another issue that people doesn't want to deal with, especially right now on, on rain season, on the heat, we have more mosquitoes than usual. So what is your, what is your busy season? Busy season, um, October, November to March. Okay. So which is uh, that migration, you know, the, the migration is start, the fall migration, and that's when a lot of the, the birders travel here because they, they know they can increase the number. We have 
when people when people are really interested in endemics or really focused on endemics, mm -hmm. I think spring and summer is, is great, it's fantastic because it's all we have endemics. Uh, but uh, the windows to go birding are really small, one hour, maybe two hours in the morning, and that's it. Sometimes the afternoon doesn't give you a chance to go out. It's too hot. Even the birds hide, you know? Sure. Or the rain, and, and rain season usually rains on the afternoons here in San Blas. So it's, it's the, the windows to, to, to watch birds are, are smaller. And the rest, the rest of the year, that's when I do trying to do ecotourism. I, uh, I, I, like, I love nature, but uh, I, I'm, I'm in love with the ocean. So uh, I, like, I like surfing. I surf a lot. So in the summer, I spark sometimes we do offer surf trips or, uh, you know, nature tours a little bit more. This is lower. Of course. Very nice. Uh, so tell me, I'm sure you have some uh, sort of uh, signature birds or birds there that are totally what everybody wants to see. What are some of the, the really cool birds in your area? We have, you know, endemics are always something that people look for. Uh, Russet crowned moth moth is a, is a really colorful and uh, it's endemic to West Mexico. Is one of the birds that a lot of people wants to see. Monmots are anywhere, wherever their monmots are interesting, are beautiful birds. They are. Hard to see. Is really, they're really secretive. They're really quiet. So they're hard to see. Um, we have another endemic. Well, we have a lot of endemic, but uh, Citrulline Trogon is another of the endemics that people are looking for. Uh, Happy Rens, Sinaloa Rens. Uh, we have the uh, black turret magpie jay, I think it's, it's one of the birds that represents some blast a lot, you know. Uh, black turret magpie jays are pretty good size, so it's easier to spot somehow. That works. Although sometimes they're no, nowhere to be seen, so it's interesting how such a interesting and large bird just can be days without seeing them. It can be, you know, it's amazing. Uh, there's nothing as a gimme when you go birding. Uh, you think, oh, I'll take you here, we'll see that, and you just don't some days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's, that's birding, like, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to guarantee a bird, but um, it's always chances to see it. It, it really pay off being from around, you know, being out there all the time. Um, I mean, uh, some friends, we go just to see what's what's around there because the birds are always moving too you know you know they, they like to nest certain areas but they're always changing and especially human being we always modifying the habitat for sure so that's that's, a, that's another challenge as, as a guide that we have you know trying to find a, a good patch of habitat that's another uh, another challenge. Nothing beats local knowledge when it comes to that. That's for sure. Definitely, definitely. It paid off to be around here. How, how have you coped during this uh, health pandemic? Uh, have you had any business, or how, what's the economy like where you're at? It's hard. Um, my the regular season ended earlier. You know, usually it extends on the way to March, April. This year. I, I guess the beginning of March, people were canceling uh, tours or they definitely stopped traveling. 
I try to be positive, to be honest, but it's hard, you know, it's hard. Unfortunately, well, I think the economics here in San Blas are slow and people, a lot of the people live on the everyday basis. So it's not like they can just stop working and, and take some time off, you know, people need to continue to do their activities and, right. and stuff. So that, that's the hardest part. San Blas is okay. I, uh, people take care of themselves. They're trying to follow the regulations that we have, but the a lot of the visitors. San Blas is a small fisherman fisherman village, which it gets impacted by tourism as well. Right. But all activities are 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 hurt with this pandemic. So without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. You've yeah. managed to stay healthy, it sounds like, though. That's good. Yeah, well, you know, we're trying to follow the regulations, stay home. Uh, I think one of the good things that happened with this pandemic is a lot of people are changing their habits, their their hygienic habits, So, which is good, you know. Now you see more people, uh, you know, caring about being washing their hands, being clean, protecting themselves, things like this. So I think there's always good things come from bad things. So I think that's one of that's them. That's a great attitude. I'll try to keep that my <laughs> own. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, in the other hand, having lack of visitors and many activities shut down, the habitat has recovered. You know, we've seen a lot of pristine habitat again, and a lot of birds are starting to show up again. So that's good, you know, I, I read this many places in Mexico even, the rare birds or rare animals start to showing up or get a, a little more bold because they see less people around. So we, we give a break to nature, that's good. That is good. Uh, it is one thing about living in the tropics, uh, are you technically in the tropics? You're probably close if not. Uh, uh, right on right the, the edge. One thing about that, you know, tropical type areas is, the recovery, uh, I mean, it, it, habitat's been devastated, but it's just shocking how fast things grow and can recover. It's like, you know, three times as fast as in more temperate areas, it seems like. Yes, yes, it is. I think, especially in these areas, and we have all the different habitats and uh, volcano axis, you know, those leaves give a lot of nutrients to the soil all the, the rains and stuff. So is it, I, I feel you, I know what exactly what you mean. I can see that every year. We go to places that it's hard to, sometimes you don't recognize the area anymore because it overgrown so fast. That's why I think people, uh, the people that live out on the, on the field, they, they feel like they can go and modify the habitat because they know in, within two, three years, that place is gonna be back to the same Yes, for them. But they don't understand about primary forests or secondary growth, stuff like that. But uh, nature's always looking, look that way to come back. That's for sure. Yes. Uh, so Francisco, tell me how you got started as a bird. What, what, at what age did you begin? How did it all start? And, and maybe some influential people or experiences that uh, prodded you along the way. Well, as you may know, if you don't, we, in San Blas, we host an international bird festival. One of the early editions, I was subcontracted to be a translator. Nothing to do with the birds, just to regular translation. Right. 
but I, I mean, by then I really like nature, you know, like say, I, I always like nature. I, I, I surf, I dive, I uh, love, the, love those things. And when I get this work and I went, I went to the birding tours, I liked it. I guess I, was, I get hooked since the first day. Very cool. By the second day, I had binoculars with me already. I don't, I don't even remember who let me use them. But then, then after that, I decide I wanna, I wanna learn about birds. You know, I, I kind of thought about becoming a guide. And luckily for me, there was, I found a series of workshops at the moment. Uh, my, one of the first mentors I have here in San Blas is a man, and a someone called Manuel, the jungle man Lomeli. Manuel Lomeli, he had perhaps 30 years of experience birding. Oh, wow. He, 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 he was a, a big uh, inspiration, inspirational because he's, he was a self-taught. He knew about trees, plants, uh, of course, birds, mammals, I mean, you name it. He was a, a, net, a real nature man. And that was one of my first, one of my first mentors here in San Blas. And after that, I, I took some, I, the embassy, the English embassy, mm -hmm. have some donation through a branch of the government, it's called CONAFOR. So these guys, through uh, Ingeniera Lourdes and uh, Alfonso Langley, they organized a series of workshops related to birding, guiding, of different subjects, uh, and I took a lot of them, and that's how I start. I started to be to become a, a, a guide, and to be honest, I spent two, three years out in the fields, just learning about the birds, the calls, and everything I can. Up to this day, still trying to to learn more and more. We all are. But that's that was, yeah, that was uh, uh, the way I get I get put to to the birds, and honest of. Oh, Meeting people like Marcus, you know, uh, Marcus and Heather, they like to say they are really knowledgeable about the birds. And this is a kind of people who, without thinking, they like to share the knowledge, you know. Mm -hmm. this, I don't think it's something that they have in mind, but just talking to them, you can tell that they, they are people who like to share the knowledge. And, and this is, that's how the way to grow, I think. Very nice. So tell me more about this uh, National uh, Bird Festival in San Blas. I was not aware of that. Is that, uh, you know, I'm assuming it's during uh, the hot season that, it, no, I mean the, the season best to go birding there. Yes, um, it's usually it's organized at the beginning of, of February. Sometimes the end of January, beginning of February. It's sort of private festival is organized you know it has it has an honor and it has a group of people who organize the festival to be honest i don't i don't participate much there but i know it exists and i'm aware of it uh, but um, i think they are somehow linked to the university of nayarit okay and the politics of the university of nayarit is which i heard they cannot promote activities but two, three weeks before. Oh. 
So a lot of people is going having hard time to finding the real day. So when it's happening and stuff. I bet. Like I say, usually it's around the end of uh, January, beginning of, of, of uh, February, around there. So it's not so much a festival that a, a visiting birder would particularly participate in. Yes, yes. A lot of people are aware and, and they know and they come, but uh, it's not. It's, it hasn't grew as much as they wanted, probably. To be honest. Okay. Very nice. But uh, I'm I'm currently. Part of the uh, we have a bird and nature bird, bird and nature festival in Puerto Vallarta. Okay. This is usually the second or third week of March. I'm I'm one of the guys there. Okay. There is a website called Vallarta Birds and Nature Festival, and this festival is hosted by the Botanical Garden, the Vallarta Botanical Garden. Uh, a place they do a lot of environmental education, they, they do a lot of conservancy work. Right now they have a project uh, with macaws, they're doing some artificial box nests for macaws. And last year they have the first babies born at the macaws at the uh, Bayarda Bird Botanical uh, Area. So they're having some success with nest boxes for macaws, that's pretty cool. Yes, actually, uh, the same area around there, part of the festival as well, there is an area that become a, a Maca sanctuary. Last year, they have, a, if I remember right, 33 bus next, and they were all occupied. Wow. And they, we have, I think they have like 45 chicks on the season, so it's definitely a success. Very nice. Up here we have bluebird trails. Uh, bluebirds were a species in uh, North America that were really endangered because of uh, uh, competition for nest boxes from introduced species. Starlings and house sparrows really took over their nest uh, sites in, in natural cavities. Uh, so they learned how to make nest boxes that had just the right sized hole that would allow a bluebird in, but not a house sparrow or a starling. Uh, and there have been tremendous successes. We have huge bluebird trails here with you know, hundreds of boxes and many, many, many bluebirds. So it's really helped bluebirds recover here. So uh, I'm not sure how endangered macaws were there, but it sounds like it will help out. Uh, well, first of all, congratulations for that program, that success program. It's always nice to see that. And, and it's a process, right? Um, I think that was the same thing with the macaws here. You know, the, they, even for the macaws, they're not used to nests on artificial nest right. boxes. But uh, I think they found the area, they feel safe, and then they tried different boxes until they found the exact one they, they like, you know, with the dimensions, appropriate dimensions and stuff. And now it's, it's very interesting. Um, we, there is a group of, of um, on Facebook, it's called Bayarta Birders which I'm part of it. Right. And we are part of the organization of the Natural Bird Festival in Vallarta. Uh -huh. And we have a box, you know, we put together money and donate a box. Right. And I, I went and, and helped to install the box and the stuff. And it's amazing because the macas on the sanctuary knows the owner's family. Mm -hmm. Voices. Oh, yeah. And if they, are, if they are around there, they don't go away. <laughs> you know, they stay. They're social. And, and I was amazed. 
And yeah, and I was amazed because I mean we were with us with this wheelbarrow trying to move the box nest to uh, we pick uh, the, the the pine for it, and there were two pairs of macaws right above our heads. And I thought as soon as we're gonna get close, they're gonna fly away because that's what they do. But they did. They stayed. They almost held installing the box nest. Seriously, I mean minutes within being installed, they were checking it out already. So it's definitely a success and, and it's a process. I can see a process to, to get to, to where they are, right? Yes. Tell me about your, uh, your uh, birding group. Uh, you said the San Blas uh, uh, birding group? We try. Uh, there is a, here in San Blas, there is a really knowledgeable guy. It's called Mark Stackhouse. Almost legendary, I think. Okay. And he is interesting. His 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 stories are interesting as well. Which is, if he's okay with you, I'll, I'll share one or two here. But especially, I asked him, "How did you get?" Because you know, Mark Stackhouse was a person who used to lead trips to Costa Rica, Panama, Nicaragua. You know, he used to go a lot to Central America, and now he lived here. He only bird here. So what happened? Also, he's, he told me when the first time that he came to San Blas, he was so impressed, like really impressed by the by bird activity. And the second year that he came to San Blas, he got even more impressed, he says. So then he started doing bird trips to San Blas. And he realized with the money that he was spending every trip to San Blas, he could rent a house for the whole year. So he did that, you know, he rented a house for a year and, you know, first bringing family, friends, and, and eventually, well, he fell in love with a, with a local girl here. He's, he's now married and then has family and stuff, but uh, he decided not to go anywhere, you know, he, he he found a good birding patch and he stopped going anywhere else. You know, this is this is this is what this was enough for him. And he say it was you know not quite better birding than Central America, but it's, he say it's really good. You know, and so I go birding a lot with him as well. He he's someone that I have learned a lot every time that I talk to him. He likes to share something. You know? He's one of those knowledgeable persons who share the knowledge. And we go burden a lot. We go burden a lot, exploring areas, uh, checking, checking, the, checking out how the things are going. Uh, we are now, we are partners in crime. We have uh, the record for the big day in Mexico. Oh, wow. Uh, in San Blas? Yeah, in San Blas. Very cool. So you hold the big day. What is your big day record? What's the number? 274. Oh my goodness, in one day. That is a big day. 20, 22 hours of, of birding. Mm. Wow. With uh, I don't know, over 100 miles right ribbon. Yeah. So, so only 100 miles sounds really attractive for a big day. I like that. Yeah, it is. It is, uh, you know, it's crazy running around and stuff, but sure. uh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, and uh, well, we and we we trying to encourage birding. Uh, there is a a group of kids here. They call themselves Natupeques, mm -hmm. uh, age to 12, 13. Well, the first generation is already 
in over 20. But uh, these kids, they, they know about environmental education, they know about turtles and whales and crocodiles and mangroves, and we take them burden. You know, we take them burden from time to time. Uh, we try to, we have a club, the Observadores de Aves de Nayarit, and we try to encourage people, you know, the, we have both do workshops here in San Blas just to introduce birding people to birding. And sometimes we try to organize uh, birding trips. It's hard, it's hard. A lot of the people, uh, like I said before, you know, they live on the everyday basis. So a lot of people see birding as not a, I don't know, economical activity, you know? Right. Or, you know, probably, I don't know, but a lot of people even, they can't believe that we look at birds. <laughs> yeah. But we, we always trying to, to encourage it. And there is a number of, of people who has become birders here. We have a, another uh, young guy, uh, Jose Antonio, and he started to, to look at birds. And then next thing he knows, he has a camera on his hand. And now he's a really good photographer, you know, really good birder photographer now. Very cool. It's slowly, but we're trying to encourage birding. I think you've been successful, Marcus and Heather told me that they've been doing the Christmas bird count there for decades, and that uh, when they first started doing it, it was almost all expats and uh, visiting birders doing the Christmas bird count, and now there are a whole a whole bunch of uh, local people doing the bird count. So you've definitely made progress. Thank you. Um, it, yes. Proudly to say, uh, last Christmas bird count, 70% were Mexicans. Wow. 70% of the people were Mexican, not quite from San Blas, but they were, you know, they were more are more and more people interested in birds and willing to help. And, and it, it was great. This year we have people with zero knowledge of birding. And actually last year, People that were visiting and they realized there were some business bird count and they were, can we do something? Sure, I mean, everybody's welcome to a bird, general bird count. Every, every eyes, every finger, and everyone is, is more than welcome and needed, right? And it was surprisingly that last year, or this year, this same couple show up again. And you know to, to, to help with the burden and and so it's, it's definitely rewarding to seeing people interested in, in birds. You know when I first I was first learning about birds, one person, uh, unfortunately a Mexican person, he was telling me that uh, Mexicans are not interested in birds. They don't care about the birds, you know, because I was I wanted to learn the birds that bird's name in Spanish as well as English right. and stuff. And this, somebody is like, why in Spanish? Don't worry, Mexicans don't like birds. Well, probably to say this, this, you know, 10 years later or so, I have taken complete families with complete no clue of the birds that they become birders. Very nice. You know? And so it's, it's, it's really nice. It's, I think, I think, um, People in general, not just Mexicans, but people in general, if you, if you don't have, you don't know what you have, you don't value it, you don't, you don't appreciate. So a lot of the things that I do here outside the birding scene is 
environmental education, uh, trying to, especially the local people, trying to let them see, let them be aware of what we have. And I think it's the only way that people can feel that they need to take care of nature, they need to take care of things by knowing what you have. Otherwise, how can you do it if, you don't, if you're not aware? That's true. Right? For sure. All of us, uh, most birders try to be an ambassador for birding and conservation in some way. And uh, this, this show is kind of a little bit of my contribution to being an ambassador for birding. People, uh, you know, friends and other people might catch on or, or get uh, a little more interested in nature, conservation, birding, whatever. But uh, it sounds like you are a real ambassador for your community. Congratulations. That's good work. Thank you. Uh, over the years, I think it's building up little by little. And poco a poco, see? See, si, si, poco a poco. Yeah. But the thing is, is one thing's falling to another. You know, like I say, uh, the reason I moved to San Blas, I'm not native to San Blas, but the reason I moved to San Blas was because of the ocean. Because I, I, I fell in love with the ocean and I wanted to learn how to surf. But then, but while being at the beach, then you start taking care of the beach. And next thing you know, I mean, you care about everything around, right? And I think that uh, the learning process is also pretty good. I, I, I think I had the right people, the right influence. I still have. And, and that, that's something uh, that helps you to focus on, on, on what you want, you know? And I think this is the only way that we can make things change, you know? We we don't we not we don't we can't rely on government or other things. We have to put to do what we can. That is true. That is true everywhere. Francisco, it's really fun to talk with you today. I appreciate it. If people want to reach out to you for uh, for San, Safari San Blas, how would they get a hold of you? How would that work out? Uh, usually email uh, safari san blas at gmail.com is a good way to reach. Okay. Uh, I, I do not have a website quite yet, but uh, I do have a Facebook page and uh, Safari and Blast. Okay. Uh, it should be easy to find. It's always on reach there. Uh, my phone number, which uh, you can uh, see on the page, yes. but I can uh, give it to you, is uh, 323 282. 8835. Terrific. I'll make sure I put that in my podcast notes along with the link to your Facebook page and your email. So if people want to reach out to you, they can. Uh, Francisco, thank you. thank you so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate taking the time. It's fun to hear about a new area. And I have to make San Blas get higher on my uh, place to go list. I'm hoping to get there someday. Thank you, Edward, for the invitation. I was really uh, happy to, to do this. And please do. I'll be more than happy to take you around, show you around. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again. Take care. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Well, that wraps up the Burbanner podcast episode number 69 with Francisco Garcia. I can't wait till next episode, too. Next episode is going to be Peter Hodum from the University of Puget Sound. He is a researcher and a passionate observer of tube noses, the seabirds uh, with tubes on the nose to excrete salt, special birds, hard to find sometimes. He does research on them both off the coast of South America and in Washington 
and I'm really looking forward to having you listen to him next week. It's going to be a great episode. Make sure you subscribe to whatever podcast feed you use so that you don't miss it. And until next time, good birding, good day. <laughs>